Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley. I'm here with Illini guy staff writer Matt Stevens. We are going over the Illini's 23 to 17 victory over FAU tonight. One that left some fans a little bit wanting more, I guess. At the same time, you had the offense moving the ball up and down the field. We have to maybe ask how you get 510 yards, but only 23 points. But in the end, the Illini get the W, and that's what the purpose of playing the game is for. Uh, Matt, what were your overall impressions of tonight's game? Uh, I thought there were a lot. I thought there was one opportunity where Illinois could have, you know, rolled their eyes, shook their head. And I think it was after the strip sack, and then FAU makes it 10 nothing. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for Illinois to pack it in and say, you know, this isn't this isn't our day again. What you know? And, oh, by the way, this. Here we go again. And I think a lot of Illini fans were doing that. Um, this team did not do that. They scored 24 unanswered uh, and kind of had a journeyman-like, Bielema-like, you know, non-league win. Um, and so I think there are a lot of things that they can clean up, uh, you know, pass protection being one, turnovers being another. Uh, but I think uh, I think they walk away from this thinking – you know, they walk away from this thinking two things. And I, I come away with this with two. Uh, it's the first time that Illinois has run the football effectively all year long. And we all know how Brett Bielema wants to build this team. We know one of what this Brett Bielema wants the identity of this team to be. And it can't be all on number nine. But that leads me to number two, which is I wrote a column immediately after I left here on Saturday saying, the next 48 hours after the Penn State loss are the most important since Luke Altmaier arrived here in January. I'll be darned if everybody on this staff didn't feel the same way because Luke Altmaier got a head got a call from his head coach on that Saturday night. Brett Bielema walked into the podium immediately after that game and told everybody Luke Altmaier was the starter. Uh, Barry Lunny goes down to the field today, um, specifically walks into Brett's office on Monday and says, I have two adjustments I want to make, coach, real quick. One is a schematic adjustment. Um, over something they're doing uh, in their uh, in their in their actually in their run game, and he says the other one is I want to go down to the field. And Brett looked at him straight in the eye and said, "Done. You know, I'm glad to have you." Um, wanted to be able to look all look look Altmaier in the face. They knew how important this was for Luke mentally, emotionally, and and quite honestly spiritually because he's that kind of a person. Um, that he was going to need help getting over this. He was going to need help. He was going to need coaching. He was going to need people caring about him in the building, and he got it. He did not get that where he was at before. I've made that very clear. Everybody I've talked to in Luke's camp has made that very clear to me. I've made that very clear to you, the Illini guys subscriber. He came here wanting what happened this week, which is he had an awful game, and he didn't get thrown in the trash. And the opposite happened, I thought. And then he ends up today, 25 of 36, 303, a touchdown passing, a touchdown running. The only turnover being on the strip sack that, although he probably would love to put the ball away, you know, in, in his, in his, you know, in his elbow, um, that's not on him. That's on pass protection still being a huge problem at Illinois. But I, I, I think number nine, Luke Altmaier, showed a lot of people today that after a four-interception performance. He is capable of bouncing back, and he is capable of being a major reason why Illinois wins some games here as they embark on the Western Division play of, of Big Ten Conference 
uh, play. And I, I think Brett Bielema knows it. Everybody in the building knows it. And, and more importantly, Luke Altmeyer knows it too. So you mentioned the, the return of the rushing game. Illinois yep. had 55 yards of rushing at the half, 207 yards at the end of the game. I believe Reggie Love had a 61-yard run. Sure did. McCray had a 14. Fagan had a 25. Lowry had a 19. All of those in second half of the game. Is there anything that Illinois was doing differently with the offensive line in the second half or was this just a game of attrition where the bigger, stronger players just wore down the guys who weren't quite as big, not quite as strong? A little bit of both. I will say that I have said throughout the entire month of September, I would love to see what this offense looks like when they have a lead going into half. Sure enough, Illinois was up 14 to 10. Barry Loney didn't have to ditch the running game in the last 30 minutes of a game. Uh, they have a lot of what you saw today is they have a lot of running backs that they like to put in the football game and they feel like they can interchange. That's, I mean, again, I've said it before. I'll say it again, go back and watch 2012 Wisconsin folks. This is what Brett Bielema wants to do in the running game. Um, he wants to play different guys. I do think Reggie Love would have gone over a hundred if he hadn't rolled his ankle. We're told that that's not serious enough uh, for him to potentially miss the game next week at Purdue. So um, quite frankly, this is a, in my book, this is a fourth straight game for Reggie Love where he's played well. Um, and now he's providing leadership to guys like Josh McCray, who certainly didn't play well against Penn State, who looked different today. And I think that has a lot to do with the leadership of Reggie Love and um, the confidence that he's bringing. And then Aiden Loffrey is able to do what we heard Aiden Loffrey was doing in the scrimmages, which is break off big ones. And um, I think he can be that lightning component to what this, what this, yeah. the thunder that this running back, the rest of the running backs in this room have. Um, I think he proved that today. So they have a good system of, of, you know, we heard from Aiden Loffrey, you know, I think they have a specific set of calls that they like to use with him and his skill set, And quite frankly, his burst, that's just not anywhere else in the room, quite frankly. Um, and I think, you know, we heard tonight that Aiden Loffrey in the huddle, they call up the play and Luke says, take this to the house. Knowing they've called it before, they've called it. We heard Aiden Loffrey went for like 50 on a touchdown in, in the first scrimmage that they ran here in, in early August. I do believe that's a similar play call to the one you saw go for 19 right before he had the touchdown run. Um, so I think that they, they, they like inserting guys in games, specifically the things that they do well. I also think you found, again, primary runners um i think people were willing and 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 ready maybe to throw josh mccray in the trash compactor i don't think the head coach is going to allow that to happen I, I i just don't i think that zero is on the field a lot because the head coach believes in him as i do believe uh josh mccray was his first commit and signee since bielema took the job in december 2020 so I think that there's a lot of, of value that Bielema sees in, in, in putting zero on the field. Um, I think that he's, he Bielema joked, he says he's, we've now gotten through Josh's annual uh, cold and flu um, that he's, he's gotten each of the years, he's, each of the three years he's been here. Um, so he's healthy, he's, he's worked on his body. And I think you saw that pay off, especially in the second half today, where he was able to kind of lean on some people and, and look a lot like the Reggie Love you saw it is freshman year against Purdue and his freshman year against Maryland. Um, so I'll, I'll, I think that's a positive. I think you saw some really good things out of Caden Fagan. Um, 
you know, I think that they really are going to utilize him more and more as he gets comfortable with the offense. Um, Brett Bielema could not stop talking about the fact that he did not walk in the end zone like Florida Atlantic wanted him to. He knew what to do as a 19-year-old true freshman, and that's – we had Luke Altmaier say, I wasn't even thinking about that. When I saw him with the ball, I wouldn't have done it. So you've got a very, very young player doing exactly what he – what his uh, – three guys in front of him on the depth chart have been taught to do by Brett Bielema in football 101 and in Thad Ward in football 101. And he went out and did it because monkey see monkey do. Right. And you know, if, if the older guys are going to do it, I'm going to do it too. So that's, that's a positive. I think you saw a lot of guys, I think you saw Luke Altmar spread the ball around in the passing game, but in the run game specifically, again, um, this game to me offensively comes down to two players that I think fans were willing to, you know, throw in the trash and that's Luke Altmaier and Josh McCray. And this is why the coaching staff doesn't do that because a week from now you can have a game like they both had and feel good about using them in, in, in a, in a primary role next week when they, when they open Western division play at Purdue. So we've also got, uh, we, we had 10, I believe 10, um, folks who caught passes. Mm -hmm. So Luke Altmaier is, is showing his ability to spread the ball. As you said, any observations about what was going on in the passing game? Seems like Isaiah Williams really, uh, you know, this is another example of him becoming that player that the other team literally has to defend against because of the multiple ways they can get him the ball out there. Yeah, you don't catch 83 passes the year before by accident, right? You catch 83 passes because you're probably the best offensive player on the team. Um, Luke Allmeyer comes here in January, knows nothing about Illinois. He can pop on the film and go, boy, I better get the ball to number one. Like, and, I, and you know who also thought that was Tommy DeVito. He had a pretty successful year last year. Better get the ball to number one as often as I can. Um Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think also I think Isaiah, from a leadership standpoint, he won't admit it. He says that Luke got over Penn State a lot quicker than he thought. I think he's fibbing. I think that Luke, I think that Isaiah, knowing Isaiah, knowing what I know about Isaiah, I think he helped in that regard too. Um, first of all, Isaiah started his career here at Illinois at that position. So he knows how bad it can go. And two, I think he knew as a co-captain, he needed to be there for his quarterback. And, and I think that was huge. Um, you have no idea like what this does to a Luke Altmaier when an Isaiah Williams, a Casey Washington, a Reggie Love, and Isaiah Adams are all there for you. Um, and then Barry Lunny wants to be on the field to make sure that you're okay. Um, Brad Bielan wants to call you on Saturday night and say, are you okay? You know, what's going on? You know, I want you... The comment that I, I still cannot get over is Brett Bielema saying, I did not want his head to hit the pillow on Saturday night and not know what he thought about as what he thought, what, he, what I thought about him as a quarterback. Um, and that was important. I, I'm telling you that was important beyond anything X's and O's wise anybody wants to talk about. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people plotting the perceived murder of Barry Lunny in this fan base. I'm here to tell you, uh, the coaching staff, including the head coach who makes $6 million a year, really, really likes Barry Lunny and thinks really highly of him. And the players think really highly of their offensive coordinator. The quarterbacks think really highly of their quarterbacks coach. He has all of those things. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm here to report what I see and what I hear. And what I hear is these guys have a lot of confidence in their offensive boss. 
um, because of stuff that went on this week after a really, really tough experience for Luke Altmaier. I'm just going to tell you that would not have happened at Ole Miss. We know that wouldn't have happened for Luke at Ole Miss. That's why he's here now. Um, and I think that's why, again, when you go to a Purdue and you go to and you and you you host a, a Wisconsin and you go to a Minnesota this year and you host a Nebraska, you have a chance to win because Luke Altmaier is in the right space mentally and emotionally. So uh, I think that's important. I think from the passing game standpoint, Mike, I think that if you have to look at a deficiency, um, pass protect. I'll just say what Brett Bielema said on the post game radio: pass protection's got to get better. Way better. You know, it's got to get a lot better. And I don't know if that's scheme based, if that's personnel based, if that's a yes, and it's both. Um, Bart Miller's got to figure this out, and he's got to do it quickly. And the reason he's got to do it quickly is because I'm telling you. There's two guys in the Purdue building right now. There's more than two, but there's going to be two guys that are coaching on next Saturday in the Purdue building that know how to attack your pass protection if you don't change it up. And that's Ryan Walters and Kevin Kane. Um, They know that. And Bart knows that. And they've got to get something figured out because the strip sack is completely um, unacceptable. And um, if they don't watch it, uh, they're going to get number nine hurt. And that cannot happen. We saw last week against Penn State, flat out, that just cannot happen. So that is the major uh-oh moment of Illinois right now, because if they can't get the pass protection figured out, um, you know, they, they, they're going to have a tough time potentially trying to hang with Purdue's offense, I think, if they, Purdue can get the, off, get the, uh, the air raid going. So um, you saw today, I, I didn't know if they were going to go into the halftime with a lead again, you know, and then – it was basically because they couldn't protect Luke Allmeyer. They couldn't do anything on third down. And here we go again. But I, I thought the defense really did a really good job after that first quarter of, of figuring out what FAU wanted to do and then getting off the field on third down. I, I would love to know. I can look it up, but I would love to know what FAU was on third down after the first quarter. I don't think that they, they did anything. I think they, they had a lot of three and outs after that. And I think the defense played really well. But in the past game, Mike, pass protection has got to get a lot better. Um and I thought you saw the rejuvenation again of some, some wide receiver. I think a lot of, again, Mike, you and I, you heard it. I heard it. All God's children heard it. We got to play some of these younger receivers. We got to play some of these younger receivers. And then show, sure enough, the two leading receivers today are Isaiah Williams and Pat Bryant. And so we all know what they're going to do and who they're going to play and how much they're going to play. But I do think that we, I think Luke does a really good job of spreading the ball around because can't cover everybody. And I do think that this scheme does work out well early in games because it allows Luke to have plays that could go essentially for pseudo rushes, pseudo runs and get yourself in a second and five or second and four when when Luke doesn't have to be dipping and dodging blitzes because it's second and 10 or second and eight. So um, I think that's something that has but that's something that this this offense continues to develop. Luke completed 70% of his passes today because he just kind of picked the open guy, whether or not it was a deep ball or whatnot. He didn't force anything. I thought he didn't. I don't think everybody in the building knows he tried to force things against Penn state. You saw him not do that today. And it wasn't because he wasn't pressured because pass protection has got to get better, but it was because he just made better decisions. So I think your quarterback's making good decisions when he's not on his wallet and we got to get him off his wallet a little bit more. If you're, if you're Bart Miller and that's got to be your objective going into this week. The other thing that really is, is it's frustrating, I guess, maybe to see, but 
the Illini are in a position where, you know, they had six penalties for 72 yards. So that's over 10 yards of penalty. It also was uh, the opportunity that allowed a couple first downs. You know, they've gotten into the habit of really kind of, you know, giving up uh, yardage, keeping the, the opponents on the field um, too often with the penalties. What can this coaching staff, what do they need to do to kind of get a little more discipline? Because these type of penalties in a Big Ten game could be the difference between winning and losing. Well, you saw it. I mean, you saw the Toledo game. I mean, if they lose that game, it's because they committed stupid penalties. They committed needless penalties and and made made mental errors. Um, It's, you know, we heard it. We hear it from players all the time coming out of, you know, Bielema's football 101. There's three ways you can lose a game. Turnovers, penalties, mental mistakes. Like, and Illinois seems to, you know, have done that in the first four weeks on a pretty consistent basis. Four first downs they gave today to FAU on penalties. Right. And and then, you know, look, um, you got a touchdown wiped out here, you know, yeah. because there's a holding call on a guy that had a real rough day on your offensive line. And not just because of the holding call. He had a real rough day. But, yeah, the, that wipes out a score, Right. You extend a drive because you get a personal foul call, you know, and, and I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. I'm I, like, God help me. I'm never going to be a college football head coach and thank God for it. Cause I'd probably be very bad at it. Um, but Brett Bielema came in here and Mike in December of 2020 telling that team and those older guys, here's how you've been losing games the past three, four years. I'm just going to be bluntly honest with you and the fact of the matter is is that um you know illinois has tried to lose four games this by that exact thing as turnovers and penalties and and it's one thing to have penalty the holding call i can almost go all right fine you were trying to save your quarterback's life commit a holding call it blows away a touchdown that stinks i can almost see that one um what i can't see is the personal foul call down here uh, you know, the personal foul call on special team stuff, uh, the, the the penalties against Toledo that kept drives alive over and over and over again. And why did Quan Finn was able to keep drives alive? Um, you just kept seeing it. And I think uh, I think they've got to get that cleaned up. But I think that, you know, the only thing that I I would think that they're going to do in the building is keep showing it on tape on Sunday and saying, if you keep doing this, guess what? that 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 100-yard thing that you were on the field committing that penalty on, you're not going to be on that very much. And so I, I don't know. I, I, I think Illinois, from a depth perspective at certain places, is getting to the point where they're playing younger guys. And now you have to account for, hey, if we're going to play these younger guys, especially in the secondary because of injuries, like, hey, I think you've got to expect them to probably make mistakes and probably maybe commit some penalties. My issue is, is that these penalties are older guys that are committing these. And these are veteran guys. These are co-captains that are committing these penalties and you can't have it. And, and so, yeah, they've got to cut that out. Um, I will tell you when you go on the road in this league, um, Brett Bielema has talked about, you know, penalties and turnovers will kill you. And you've seen it happen during the one and four slide last year. You saw it at Kansas and you tried to see it like against Penn state and today. And so I think that there's, 
Um, there's definitely a, a notice in the building that this is a problem. And I think that they're going to try to get it fixed, but I don't know how to do it other than to kind of, I don't want to say embarrass guys, but put it up on the board and say, Hey, look, we can't have this anymore. Defensively, the team, you know, held Florida Atlantic to 17 points. We saw a ton of double and triple teams on Johnny Newton. Uh, any, uh-huh. <laughs> any thoughts? Because it would seem like if if teams are, um, you know, going to that extent to stop Newton, we all can see why. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that 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 the Illini can do? They did free up, you know, um, you know, Keith Randolph had two and a half tackles for loss. Um, and sack. Yeah, and a sack. I mean, so the team played well. Is there anything else that you anticipate seeing if? Uh, opponents are going to try to double and triple team Newton the whole time. No, it's a domino effect, Mike Cagley. If if that's going to happen, okay, I'm sorry, but but I mean Johnny Newton's going to have an impact. Okay, if you're triple and double and if you're triple and double teaming on your blocking on Johnny Newton up front, when Illinois really only rushes three down linemen with their hand in the ground and maybe uses a bare front of five guys. Okay. If you're double and triple teaming Johnny Newton, guess what? Some other guys have got to start eating by God, Keith Randolph ate tonight. And and so that's, that's what's got to happen. And and Johnny said it after the Penn state game where I thought he had a whole bunch of defensive pressures. I thought he had an impact on the game against Penn state. Um, He has said, Hey, look, I'm going to start seeing, you know, things that are going to open some things up for my teammates. And that's just, that's me having an impact on the game, even if I can't get into the box score. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Again, that's, that's, that's football one-on-one coming from a veteran. And Mike, if that's going to happen. I'm just going to point out some guys. Keith Randolph's going to have to eat. Gabe Yakis, who had a sack, you know, taken away from him again because of a holding penalty by Illinois. Um. Those guys have got to eat. Keith's got to eat. Gabe's got to eat. Uh, you know, Seth Coleman's got to eat. Um, and and some of these guys up front have got to do a better job of of getting in the backfield and creating havoc if if, if they're just not going to let you know uh, Johnny Newton beat them. And look, <laughs> these guys, you know, you hear it all the time. These guys are on scholarship too. And the guys who are assistant coaches, they get paid a lot of money to not look like fools. So if 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 the first round draft pick out of Illinois is creating havoc against Penn State, well, I don't want him to do that against me. So I think you I think it was natural to see what you saw today. It was natural that um I thought it was positive that Keith Randolph got out of the funk that he's been in for the entire month. Yep. I think it was functional that Gabe Yakis was able to get, you know, see ball. See ball, see quarterback, go after quarterbacks, go hit ball, like, and go get ball. That was, that was beautiful to, to watch. And, and I do think that there are other guys like a said McConnell that can have an impact if, if given the opportunity, Alec Bryant can have an impact if given the opportunity, Seth Coleman can have an impact. These guys have got to step up their games because again, these big 10 West coaches get paid a lot of money to not look foolish. And I'm telling you, they're not just going to let Johnny Newton create havoc. But if Keith Randolph can bring his game to another level, if Gabe Yakis can bring his game to another level, all the guys I just mentioned can uptick their game a little bit. Guess what? Can't always focus on Johnny Newton. And then when he gets a one-on-one opportunity, this is what first-round picks do. They create havoc. So 
um, you know, that's that's how this has to work. And I thought it worked out pretty well for Illinois in, in the final three and a half quarters against FAU. And I, I don't think that Daniel Richardson was really able to get into a rhythm at all in the, in the second half of this game, simply because of the havoc that Illinois was creating in the backfield. So anything that jumped out to you that Coach B talked about in the postgame presser, anything that you you had and, you know, maybe aha moment might be too strong, but anything that stood out to you that, that you think the subscribers and the listeners would want to hear about? Uh, yeah, this is exactly what he wants. And, and I know, look, this isn't sexy football, folks. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This isn't sexy football, but – he gets a real thrill out of seeing the run game make strides because he knows that come big 10 West play, this is not like somebody saying something on a Monday and then going out on Saturday and doing something else because it sounds great to say it on Monday. And this is what I'm supposed to say as a head coach, the guy guys, folks, the guy's been doing this for 15 years. He knows what he likes and he likes what he sees. Right. And what he likes is good teams do three things. They run the ball, they stop the run, they cover kicks. And at the end of the day, Illinois ran the ball really well. For the most part, I think after the first quarter, they stopped the run pretty darn well. If they hadn't gifted Florida Atlantic some penalties and turnovers, I think this game was a little bit further apart in terms of margin. I think if Caden Figan walks into the end zone like he's taught not to do, obviously the margin would have been a little bit more. Um, we can debate till the cows come home whether or not you wanted Caden Fiend to score or not. Brett Bielema did not. Um, so anyway, um, I think the I think the aha moment is look, and I have look. I, I mean, <laughs> I have this back and forth with our good friend and my colleague here at Illini guys, Kendrick Prince, all the time. Right? It's not fun to watch. He ain't here for your entertainment. He's here to do exactly what he did today, which is a workmanlike W which is pretty much how it works at Iowa city. Uh, I'm told every week um, that it's never going to be sexy football, but by God, they win eight, eight, nine games doing exactly what they did today, which is defense. Take the wheel. will offense milk the game and the run game at the end quarterback. Don't please don't throw a whole lot of interceptions and, you know, make this more difficult for our defense by God. We, and then, okay. Hey, we won. Like, and so, you know, my column that's going to come out in the line I guys, Mike, is I think there's a realization that's setting in in the Smith Center that, okay, the season starts now. I think there's a, there's an aha moment that has hit Brett Bielema. Okay, season starts now. We have not played a West game yet. We got six of them. We win them. We're going to Indy. We lose them. We're not going to Indy. Like, and I know that sounds really like no duh, Matt, but. I think this team could be 4-0, this team could be 0-4, and, and Brett Bielema would look at it and go, well, we haven't played our six West games yet. Like, all the goals are still on the table, folks. Like, this is what we set out to do every every year. Um, and nobody, and I, nobody's jumping out of the West either. No, and that's the thing is that, like, I think there's a sense that this team could be 5-2 and two by the time we hit the end of October. I really feel that way. Um, by the time we hit the road, road game against Maryland – this team could be five and two. And I think people believe that. Um, I'm just here to tell you that I, I think that there's a, there's a sense here um, that this team, 
is starting to understand who they are and what they are and what they want to be. We talked a whole bunch this week about identity. I think Illini fans want the identity of this team to be something else. I got news for everybody. The head coach of your football team that gets paid $6 million wants the identity of this football team to be very, very similar to what you saw. They just want the execution to be a little bit better. And I think, honestly, they want the, the upfront to look a little bit better. And I think that's the thing that if you want to press the pause button on the Brett Bielema, uh, you know, era in 2023, that's the thing where you go, ooh, I don't like this. Because I don't like what I'm seeing up front on the offensive line. I haven't liked for a long time beyond Johnny Newton what I've seen up front on the defensive line. And um, those are supposed to be your strengths going into the year. And so, um, you know, Brett Bielema talks all the time about figuring out who you are in September, winning, you know, putting together wins, stacking wins upon wins in October, playing for championships in November. We're here now. We're at the end of September. I think this team has a better understanding after today of who they are and what they are and what they want to be. Now you got to start stacking wins together against the Purdue's, the Minnesota's, the Wisconsin's, and the Nebraska's of the world. And if you do that, you got a real good shot of playing in Indy at the end of November. So I think that that's where you're at. And so, um, you know, if you're Illinois right now, um, the record is somewhat irrelevant because you haven't played in. I think that I think the coaches feel like the record right now is somewhat irrelevant because one everything's still on the table for what we want. And two, if we don't get these things cleaned up, everybody the rest of the way home can beat us. But if we do clean it up, everybody the rest of the way home can lose us as well. And I think that that's, that's the attitude it's going to have because Mike Cagley, the most important thing I thought that came out of today, and I know this is not going to shock anybody is that Luke Altmaier no longer now, again, looks like deer in headlights anymore. Right. And I, I think, I think we can chalk up Saturday to the worst game he's played maybe since he was a young adult. Like, and if that's the case, then Illinois has a chance because you would like to think Brett Bielema and his staff can figure out things that they're not doing up front that we thought were going to be a strength going into the year. But, um, you know, there's things they got to get really, really cleaned up um, against higher quality competition, I would think. Um Otherwise, they're not going to win, but I think that they have a chance to still have a relatively special season um, in a Western division that isn't um, overly powerful. This is not the SEC West, folks. This is the Big Ten and West. The SEC West isn't even the SEC West this year. No, but Illinois would finish seventh in the SEC West. Um, but but I think they have a chance to win the Big Ten West. So I think that I think there's a lot of hope that comes out of this because you're seeing the three worded thing that I've always talked about with coaches and that's proof of concept. And I think that not only in 20 and not only have you seen it in the now two and a quarter years, you've seen Brett Bielema's era at, at Illinois. You've certainly seen proof of concept. I think in 2023 to today, you know, Saturday, September 23rd against Florida Atlantic, you got, you inched closer to proof of concept of what you want to see on both sides of the ball. Um, simply because the running back, the running game hit the 200 yard mark. The passing game didn't have any interceptions, and Luke Altmaier completed almost 70% of his passes. From an efficiency standpoint, offensively, they were okay if they weren't turning it over and they weren't committing penalties. Right. Now, if you can clean those things up a little bit more, you probably can beat a lot of Big Ten West teams doing exactly what they did offensively today. Yeah, and I, I would tell people, you know, again, we talked about this in the past. You look at the schedule as four quarters. 
just like a football game, the first quarter was Toledo, Kansas, and Penn State, who, again, Penn State's playing Iowa tonight. We don't know what that outcome of that game is going to be. They're ahead as we speak. But those teams have lost a combined one game. That was Toledo losing to Illinois. So so the, those those three teams are very good. I really think this FAU team has a lot of physical talent. They're injured. And the other thing is, is I didn't agree with some of the calls that Tom Herman made. He doesn't care. But the bottom line is, is if he had kicked two field goals instead of going for it, uh, that game would have been within a touchdown. And maybe he calls some things different down the stretch. I don't know. The same way, to be truthful with you, when Brett Bielma went, didn't kick the field goal in the first quarter. I was a little mystified. Mm-hmm. So so there's some things coaches are going to do that that I don't get. And I'm not a coach, so that's life. Um, but I guess the final thought for me is, is Illinois is going into a stretch that the teams are tough. They're Big Ten teams, so, that you know, they may not be sexy, but if you play poorly, they'll beat you up. But Illinois has an opportunity now to literally defeat anybody on their schedule and if they play poorly, they could lose to anybody left on their schedule. You got an opportunity to get four wins, go to a bowl. You also have an opportunity with a little bit of luck, a little bit of timing, and getting better during the year. They could go ten and two and 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 go represent the the uh, Western Division. You know, we're we're just going to have to see. But what are your final thoughts as as now the team looks towards West Lafayette? And they go into a, to really what's become a rivalry game because now you have a beloved defensive coordinator that all these players know who's now on the other side of the fence as head coach. And there's several uh, staff members. And those guys want to beat the, the Illini just as bad as the Illini, guy, the Illini football players want to go in and, and show – their uh, departing coaches that, you know, hey, you guys should have stayed with us. I heard Brett Bielema say this, I think, his first year when he took the job at Illinois, is that, you know, his teams don't roll out of bed looking sexy. They need some time in the bathroom to get ready. And I think this 2023 version of Brett Bielema's Illini needs some time in the bathroom to get ready. And and what that involved was playing four games – against a Toledo, a Kansas, a Penn State, and a Florida Atlantic, and figuring out at least a decent amount of who we are and what we want to be. They haven't figured it out yet. They haven't gotten all the way there yet. But you saw a little bit of proof of concept. And proof of concept is running the ball for 200 yards, having you know, th- four guys average five yards a carry or more. Um, this is not sexy. This is not what you want, you know, to watch. This is not what Kedrick Prince wants to watch. This is what Brett Bielema wants to watch. And he gets paid $6 million. So he's going to win that fight, you know? Um, and so I'll, I'll just tell you, I, I think if Illinois philosophically gets back to being who they are, if they can run the football effectively, a lot more effectively than they did in the first half today against FAU, that's got to be disconcerting uh, what's going on up front. But they get those things, you know, 
figured out and maybe cleaned up a little bit, um, then I think that they can go on a run here. If they don't, Illinois is in trouble. I said after halftime, even when they were up 14 to 10, if they can't figure out how to run a football better than this, they're in trouble the rest of the year. Just absolutely flat out in trouble. Turns out in the second half, they ran it for almost eight yards of carry in that second half. Brad Bielema saw the same thing I did, which I'm sure he saw the same thing that you did, the person listening to this podcast right now. We got to run the football better. Um, and I think Illinois runs the football, controls the football, doesn't turn it over, and doesn't commit penalties. I think they're going bowling. If they don't do a lot of those things, they won't win. They won't be good. They won't win. And I also want to say I will tell you that I think that um, the the issue I have with like, hey, the Big Ten West stinks too. Well, that doesn't make you. And I, I know that a lot of people in the Smith Center believe this too. That doesn't make Illinois good. Like if just because everybody in the Big Ten West stinks doesn't make Illinois good. And I think they're on the path to trying to be good because I think by the time you go into Kinnick at the in November and you're probably going to have to win that game to yep. get to Indianapolis. Yep you're going to have to be a pretty good football team. And, and and so I think to get to that point where you're playing for Indy in Kinnick Stadium, Illinois has got to clean a whole bunch of stuff up. But I do think that Illinois has the capability with what they showed in the second half here today um, that that I think that if they, they can get it done against the Purdue's, the Wisconsin's, the Minnesota's, the Northwestern's, and and the Nebraska's of the world. And, and if they can do that – Guess what? You're going bowling, and then you the momentum is there. But yeah, I, I think my final thought is is that for the first time in September of 2023, Brett Bielema finally got this Illinois team back to what he wants to do. And he challenged the offense on Thursday. I know he did. I know what you guys want it to be. I know what you guys thought it was going to be. I know what you guys are coaching it to be. We've got to start seeing it on Saturday. Um, I thought that there were a few adjustments schematically that were made, especially in the run game in the second half that allowed Illinois to have a lot of success. And I think should give Illinois fans a lot of, of uh, encouragement going forward again in a schedule where, Hey, if we get 500 yards, you know, we get, you know, six, six and a half yards per play, probably going to win a lot of football games. And, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. The issues are, we cannot turn the ball over two times. We cannot have six penalties. We have to do better on third and fourth down and go instead of going six of 13. Um, but all of those things can be rectified over time as, as you start building toward what these people at Illinois want to be building toward, which is a chance to play in for a birth in Indianapolis. And nothing that has happened over the last you know, month of this season and, and the first four games has allowed you to feel like that can't happen. So I think that there's, there's a lot of optimism that you can take out of this game. Um, but there's a lot of concern about fundamental things that I wasn't sure that a lot of people going into the year thought Illinois was going to have to deal with, but maybe this coaching staff, knowing how many new pieces they were going to have, maybe thought they were. The last thing I thought that Brett Bielema said that I, that's just hitting me now is it's the first time he has said in a post game, you know, we lost a lot of quality talent last year, but we lost a lot of quality voices. I believe he's talking about the Brown brothers. I just flat out do. 
And if there's a lot of times this year, I think you've seen out of the offense and you've seen out of the defense, especially in the secondary and especially in the run game. Oh, well, Chase isn't there anymore. Oh, Sydney's not there anymore. And I think it's taken some time for this team to get over that from a personnel standpoint. I'm talking about players. And I think that the younger guys, I think that you're seeing now that are long and athletic and may not have a freaking clue what the hell they're doing on the football field right now, but athletically can get the job done. I think the more and more you maybe you start seeing them and have the opportunity to get, you know, time on the field could be a great thing for Illinois. And I know that they wanted this to be a showcase game for a lot of the young guys and ended up kind of being a slog that they had to like persevere and win with. But there's a lot of guys like Aiden Lawfrey, Caden Fagan, Sabor Kareem, you know, Zachary Tobe, that you saw a lot of positive things on. And, and, and there's, there's, there's veterans in this room, like an Isaiah Williams and, and, you know, a Pat Bryant, a, a Casey Washington, where I think, Brett's going to have to start relying on some of those voices, just like he had to rely on Jason Sidney Brown, Tommy DeVito, um, and a host of guys on defense in the secondary, you know, Quan Martin, uh, a, a spoon, a Devin Witherspoon, that just aren't there anymore. And I think you're starting to see that Illinois' loss of leadership is might be as important as the loss of talent that they suffered this last offseason. One final question mm-hmm. real quick. Were there any injuries? I know the night of, it's really hard to sure. tell. But were there any injuries that looked like they could be problematic over time? I didn't love hearing that. I didn't love noticing that Taz Nicholson didn't come back in the second half, and he didn't. Brett Bielema made it a point to say that Taz wanted to go back in in the fourth quarter, and the doctors just wouldn't let him. So that's a good sign that I think you could see Taz for West Lafayette, potentially, um, if he wants to go back in the ball game. Problem is we heard the same thing kind of about Matthew Bailey too. And then we find out on Monday he's gone for the year. So we don't, I don't know what, not to sound completely uninformed, but I don't exactly know what the injury is to uh, uh, Taz Nicholson. But I do know that Illinois suffered a lot of injuries in the secondary. Brett Bielema said he was down to like his sixth corner today. Um, It's not that unusual because they play like four or five anyway. Um, But they were down – I mean, that's why you saw Sabor Kareem and Zachary Tobe in the, in the ball game today, and for a lot of time. Um, you, know, you saw Xavier Scott having to, you know, basically be one-on-one with LeJonte Wester the whole whole game, and that's not a fair matchup for him because he needs he needs, he needs a break. Um, so I think this secondary needs – this secondary has already been hit hard with the Matthew Bailey and the Demetrius Hill injuries – you add Taz Nicholson to that, and I, I, I'm I'm kind of wondering where Illinois goes from there. I think Taz could be back for for Purdue next this this next weekend. We get the sense that Reggie Love will be. Uh, I can't remember anybody. Oh, Keith got uh, the wind knocked out of him, but he talked to us after the game. They don't usually give players to us right. if they think there's any medical doubt. Um, so I don't think there's anything they feel like is long-term coming out of today, but I think they just dealt with a whole bunch of, you know, guys coming off the field. And, and eventually you look at your depth chart and go, boy, we're on our third string defensive line and our sixth corner and our fifth linebacker. And um, this is not going well. And so um, 
I do think that there's things that um, I also think that there's guys um, like Julian Pearl, who I think he's still dealing with a finger thing and a hand thing. He had to come out off the field a couple of times. I don't think Isaiah Adams is hundred percent. I don't think he'd ever say he was, he wasn't, but I don't think he's a hundred percent. And so, you know, and, I, and they're still trying to figure out how much to give, you know, Josh Getsky and try to give uh, slaughter on the offensive line. So um, I don't think there's anything big like Matthew Bailey ish coming out of this, but I do think fans need to hold their breath and hope for good news out of Taz Nicholson. Um, but I think, think the early indications are you're going to get good news. I, I hate to say this. And then on Monday we find out he's having surgery, but um, the coaching staff seemed to indicate, Hey, I'm okay. You know? And so um, we, uh, we, we got, we didn't get a whole bunch of, Hey, hang, you know, hold your breath. This is, this is not going to be a good thing. Good. Well, thank you very much, yeah. Matt. Uh, real quick for folks. If you turn on the Illini guys sports spectacular, you can get that on uh, Saturday, Fridays and Saturdays across the state. Look at alanaguys.com with the radio button to see if that's uh, what time we're on and what time you can listen. Of course, you can subscribe, $99 a year. We have a special $69 and a T-shirt offer for those of you who are students. Please go ahead and try to take advantage of that, especially if you have a student in your life who's a huge Illini fan. That would be a great gift for them. And, of course, we have our family of podcast, Eye on the Illini, the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular, uh, Keds Recruiting Roundup, and Sturdy for 30. With that, we will say thank you and go Illini.